All right. Good morning. Everybody doing okay today? Good day to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, welcome to those that are watching online as well. Uh, those, uh, those songs today were powerful to me. And uh, I don't know if you guys know the story behind uh, one of them, the, the one where it talks about Raise the Hallelujah. Uh, there's a, a really cool testimony that goes along with that, that, that song. And uh, there was a, a, a church group, the guys that wrote that song, uh, they had a, a friend of theirs that their son was dying. And uh, they had sent out, you know, he was dying that night. And anyway, man, everybody is called together to pray, and they begin to pray. And God puts this song on one of those guys' hearts, and he begins to write that song out. And if you think back to what it says, it says, in the presence of my enemy, I raise a hallelujah. And it just talks about singing and singing praise and giving God honor and giving God glory in the midst of the storm. And so there are some of us in this room that maybe we're going through a storm right now, and uh, we need to be reminded, you know, that we are to, we're to worship and we're to praise even in the midst of that storm. And we just sing louder and louder and louder to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, right? And then that second song, whoo, man, in God we trust. How powerful is that? And that's what we're talking about today, in God we trust. And, and so trusting God with everything. We said this last week, a lot of us, you know, we want to trust God. Most of us know we need to trust God, but we really struggle sometimes with that, that trust factor. And, and trust is a tough thing. You know, trust is something that you earn, you know, and God has proven himself faithful. That song that we just sang talked about how faithful he has been. And, uh, and, but we, we can, we, what we can do is we can superimpose the things on God that we see in people because people let us down, right? I mean, there's so many people that have lied to us, that have cheated us in some way, have, have gone against us in some way, they've hurt us in some way. And so we have a tough time oftentimes trusting God because we don't always trust people, whether it's leadership or whatever it might be. And so we, go, you know, so we superimpose those things. Oftentimes when I'm talking to someone and they struggle with trusting God, it's because they didn't trust their father, their earthly father. And so they struggle with it because they superimpose that on God. And God is a loving father. He is a gracious father. And he is faithful. He is, he is one that we can trust. And so what we do is we often, we'll take what we feel about people and we'll say, I'm going to put that on God. And God, God is way better than anybody you'll ever meet person-wise, right? You know, and so all of us will let somebody down. I mean, if I, I'll let you down at some point. If I hadn't, I probably will in the future. I mean, that's just the way it works, you know. And hopefully I won't do that, but I'm just saying that's, what, that's the tendency. And so what we do is all of a sudden we say, well, I don't trust these people, so I don't trust God. And God's way better than any man. I'm just telling you. So we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to trust you with everything. So the question, you know, it goes back to what we talked about last week. Do I really trust God with everything? And a lot of us would say, hey, I trust him for salvation. I trust, you know, we just saw the young man go through the waters of baptism. He's fixing to go off to basic training, man. How awesome. He'd say, man, I want to have this nailed down. I want to make sure that, you know, I am, I am good in this area. And he's going to go into a storm, right? He's going to go into a challenge. That's a good thing. But now he's got a good, good firm foundation. So he said, hey, I have put my faith in Christ for salvation. He said, I have trusted God with my soul, with my salvation. Now he's got to trust him with his life as it goes to basic training, right? And then he's got to trust him to use him as a witness there. He's got to trust him to, you know, to, to guide his steps and to lead, literally lead him to where he is making a difference for the kingdom of God. And so a lot of us would say, man, I trust God to save me. I just don't trust him in every area. I don't trust him in a lot of areas. And I think we've got to be willing to say, God, I trust you with everything. I want us to talk about the widow's offering this morning. It's out of Mark chapter 12. And so today, a lot of times this passage gets misused but uh, I really think uh, today we can kind of see what it's really all about. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people were uh, put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. 
Jesus called to his disciple, called his disciples to him and said, Hey, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. The widow's offering is not about giving, but it's about trust. And see, a lot of times I think this passage, we use it to try to motivate people to, to give, and really it's about trust. Her trust was in God. And it's not about giving, you know, I mean, she gave two little copper coins, uh, you know, two, two, two pennies, if you will, you know, that were there, and uh, they didn't add up to much. But she was dropping this into the offering uh, basket, if you will. It wasn't a basket, it was actually like a trumpet thing. And what would happen, it was, it was, it almost had, it was a metal trumpet type thing. And when you'd throw your, a, a large amount in there, it would make a lot of noise. And so people like to make a lot of noise with their giving. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they wanted everybody to hear, hey, you hear how much I just gave? You know, now here in our day and age, we're not, we're not like that. We pass around offering baskets or whatever, stuff like that. And we hope that it, we don't drop it so we don't freak out and everybody hears it. You know what I'm saying? I, I remember one time we were sitting there and I was sitting with, I was a student pastor at the time. And we're passing the offering basket in the service, and this guy goes to, he goes to hand it to me, and he just lets go of it, and he drops it. And coins go everywhere, because it's just gone through the youth area. And all the youth have put in coins and stuff. And it made this clanging noise, and he looks at me, and he just freezes. He's like this. And I, so I'm down having to pick it up, put it back in, and put it in the thing. And he goes, why did you drop it? I said, dude, you never gave it to me, you know? But we don't want that to happen, right? But back then they did. They wanted you to hear how much they were giving. And so there was this trumpet type thing, that, this funnel that you would give. And so all this noise would be made. And so not only did they give large amounts, they wanted everybody to hear it, right? And so the widow only drops in these two small coins. And Jesus is watching. He's watching, he's watching what's happening. And he's not, he's not really excited about every, how everybody's giving because they're giving for the wrong reasons. But, man, he's moved by what happens with this widow. And so it's not about giving. This is not about giving. It's about trusting. The widow should have been on the receiving end, not giving. Just being straight up with you. If we look back at Scripture, you know, God is oftentimes talking about taking care of the widows and the orphans. If anything, this lady should have been on the receiving end of stuff. The, the church, you know, the temple should have been taking care of her rather than her having to give everything that she had to live on you know, because she had so much trust in God. And here's the cool thing. She trusted God. But the, the people around should have trusted God to do what he said and to take care of the widows, what should have happened. But that's not what we see here, you know, and, and so you know, whenever we read this story, for, for me, it's kind of cool because we were over there just a few weeks ago, and one of the places where we were sitting is probably one of the mo most uh, moving moments that I had uh, was on the steps coming out of the temple. And so we were sitting there, we were talking, and if you looked over, if you looked over to the right, it's where you would have gone into the temple, uh, you know, going up to the temple mount there, and so that's where you would have gone in. And so whenever Dr. Kevin Dickelman is telling us, hey, this is what happened in these different places. So that's where whenever, you know, you know, Joseph and Mary are taking Jesus up, that's where they would have seen Zachariah. That's where, you know, he would have said the Messiah has been, is here. You know, and so you would have seen that happen on those steps right over there. And then this is where they would be walking out. And so the, the next passage right after this in Mark uh, chapter 13, it talks about and Jesus walks out and he says, hey, all these stones that are here, not one will stand on top of the other. And because the, the disciples are like, man, look at these grand stones. Look at this, all this ornate stuff. And Jesus, hey, listen, not one stone will be on top of the other. And whenever the, the, the temple was destroyed, only that base foundation was there. There was nothing on top of anything. Everything he said was true, right? And so, so for me, when I read this story, you know, I think back to us being on those steps and thinking about, hey, this is where they would have walked out. 
But Jesus being in the temple, he's watching what's happening with this, this widow. And so she should have been on the receiving end, not the giving end. So, but here's what I love. Forgetting herself, she wished to testify that all that she possessed belonged to God. So really this is about the trust of the widow. It's not about the amount she gave. It's about her trust in God. She should have been on the receiving end. She should have been being taken care of. She should have been the one that, you know, the, that they were going, hey, listen, we need to meet her needs. We need to make sure that she's got food to eat. But Jesus said, hey, you know what? She gave everything that she had to live on. But what she is doing, what she is declaring, kind of like the young man said, hey, listen, I'm declaring to everybody that Christ lives within me. I'm declaring to everybody I put my faith in Christ. What she is declaring is, hey, you know what? My God is sufficient. My God will take care of my needs. And so she's declaring that with two small coins. So her trust is in the God of the universe who loves her, who is faithful, and we can trust. And so she's wanting everybody to know, man, that's, that's where my confidence is at. The widow trusted God to provide. She trusted God to provide. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, we don't trust God to provide. We trust God for salvation. We'll trust God for a few things, but we don't trust God to provide. We'll worry and we'll fret. Now, here's the thing. We are to work. Work is a good thing. God blesses work. So we should work, and we should work as unto the Lord. So we should work hard at what we do. We should work as unto God, not as unto man. And here's the thing. Whenever we do that, then we have to be good stewards, good managers of what we've been entrusted with, right? So whenever we do that, then we say, God, I trust you to provide. And here's the thing. He goes, I provided a job. I provided an opportunity. I provided all these things. And so we've got to trust God to provide for our needs, not our wants, but our needs. And so she trusted God to provide. I love that. It's a beautiful picture of that. So the widow put her faith in action. She's going, hey, listen, I trust God to provide. So she takes all that she has and she drops it into the offering. And for many of us, we would go, why would you do that? I mean, God gave you that, that little bit. Well, here's the thing. That little bit was not going to be enough to most likely take care of every need that she had. It's two small copper coins. She needed way more than that. And so maybe for her, it was like, hey, God, I'm giving this because I trust you so much. I know that you'll provide. You know, and I, it does, we don't read it, so you don't want to read things into Scripture. But I can almost imagine that Jesus, you know, sees this lady, tells these guys she gave more than anybody here. And I can only imagine he said, hey, listen, whenever he's walking out, he has a conversation with them about the stones and stuff. But he might probably said, hey, listen, we're going to take care of that lady. We're going to meet her need. You know, she gave more than everybody, so we're going to feed her. We're going to do whatever. And that's not written in Scripture, but I'm just saying that's the heart that we see in Jesus. And so he cared about people. He met those needs. But the widow put her faith in action. And oftentimes what we do is we talk about faith. We just don't put it in action. I can remember whenever Laurie and I were pray, praying about, about planting a church and, you know, and uh, stepping out on faith and giving, you know, literally resigning from my position uh, we, we were laying in a bed one night, and uh, Laurie is very structured. She likes structure, uh, very organized and everything. And we were laying there, and she said, hey, listen, I don't want us to always live our faith and talk about faith. I want us to live out our faith. And I was like, man, that will preach. And she goes, I feel like it's time for us to step out and plant a church. I'd been ready for three years, but I had to wait on my wife to be ready for that. And so when God moved on Laurie's heart, said, hey, listen, I don't want us to just talk about faith. I want us to live by faith. And we did. We, we stepped out and we did that. And so there, there comes a point where we have to put our faith in action. And so Jesus, he was moved by her actions. He was moved by what she did. It stirred him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like he's sitting there watching and it spoke to him. You know, it, it, I mean, it, it moved him. It stirred his heart. And so Jesus was moved by this. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. 
And you know in their mind they're going like, does he know math? I mean, does he understand that she just dropped in two little coins? But Jesus knew her heart. He sees your heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He sees us for who we really are. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, a lot of times what we do is we think about when it comes to giving, you know, some of you guys, if you brought anybody today, you're like, dang, I didn't know the pastor was going to be teaching on money or anything, or I wouldn't have invited you today. That's a lot of times the way we feel, right? But the thing is, it's not about money. It's about trust. It's about trusting God. It's about leaning into God and saying, God, I trust you. And, I, and God doesn't know, he doesn't want any of these things to get in the way of us trusting him. And what happens is those things, those things get in the way. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, she had given everything she had to live on. You know, let me just say this, you know, whenever we, we give, we ought to give because, man, with the right reasons, and we're going to unpack a little bit of that today, but when we give, we give, man, because of joy, and we don't look for, hey, what's the minimum? You know, and most of us, and I don't know about you guys, but I like, I like cheap, free, and good deals. Anybody else? Anybody else like that? Cheap, free, and good deals. I do. I like them. You know, and so the thing is, is a lot of times we come to church with that same mentality. We're going, hey, cheap, free, and good deal. Hey, you got a free donut today, right? You know, you felt pretty good about that or whatever it might be. And so, we, hey, they're giving away a t-shirt, $5. That was a deal, I'm just telling you. So if you missed out, too bad. They've gone up now. You know what I'm saying? we got to recoup. But, uh, but the thing is, is what we do is we look for cheap, free, and a good deal. And here's the thing. When we give, especially when it comes to the kingdom, it should not be that mentality. It's about being, hey, how do I get to, how do I get to bless how do I get to invest? How do I get to pour into something that is literally making a difference in the lives of people for eternity? Like the young man who just went through waters of baptism. Man, he put his faith in Christ. He's going public with that. And we get to walk with him, disciple him. Even from a distance, we get to do that. We get to put tools in his hand. We get to give away free Bibles. We, get to, we literally get to invest in ministries and missions all over the world. Every week, we get to do that. And so we got to say, God, you know, that's, that's what I want to be a part of. So the large gifts were easier. And see, there's some of us, we give the minimum. We'll say, hey, listen, you know, well, you know it says to tithe, so we give, we give only the tithe. And Jesus commended the tithe. He said, yes, you should tithe. But, man, don't leave the more important things undone. And there's times we've got to be willing to say, you know what, am I giving all that I can or am I just giving what the minimum is? You know, and so if you really believe in something, really, you, know, you really are all about something, then hopefully you don't just give the minimum. You give all you can. You go, hey, man, I want to be a part of this. Now, we do that with football. We don't just give just a little bit to let everybody know that I'm a fan. Like yesterday, y'all were probably watching games, and you'll give everything you've got. You'll be yelling and screaming like a crazy moron out there. You know what I'm saying? Over a football game, it doesn't matter. But the things of God, we don't get as excited about. And we ought to be more excited about those things. So the large gifts were easier for these people who were wealthy. It's like, man, they could throw in large gifts, but it really wasn't affecting them. It was kind of like, hey, listen, maybe they were just doing the minimum, but it looked like so much because they had so much. So the smaller gift, the small gift was sacrificial. And the small gift is what, God, what Jesus, what God points out as moved him. It got his heart, got his attention, right? And so the small gift was sacrificial. So scripture makes it clear it's a privilege to give. I hope we don't ever, you know, see it as, hey man, this is a burden. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's kind of like serving. Serving is not supposed to be a burden. Serving is a gift. You know, God has given you spiritual gifts to help build up the body of Christ. And so, therefore, he wants you to help build up the body of Christ. That's serving, right? So it's not a burden. It's a gift. And so the same, same way with, with, uh, with giving. Giving is a privilege. It's a gift. 
And so God has blessed me with so much. God has blessed you with so much. And I know a lot of us don't feel like we're really rich, but I'm just telling you, if you live in America, you are rich. You are richer than most of the people in the world. If you've got, if you've got change in an ashtray in your car, if your car still has an ashtray, you know, then you've, you're rich. If you've got a dish at your house that has got coins piled up in it that you don't even really need, then you're rich. If you have a big jar, like my dad used to throw all his change in a jar, and every year, you know, at the end of the year, we would go dump that out or roll it, and then we would go on vacation using that money. I don't know if you guys, well, you're rich. You may not think you're rich, but I'm telling you, you're rich. And we're wealthier than most of the world. So scripture makes it clear it's a privilege to give. It's not a burden. It should never be a burden. It should be a, a privilege. So this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth here. He says, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it, I want it, to, be a, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. He's like, hey, man, if you're going to give, don't, don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it like, you know, this is what they expect. Or, hey, this is like my dues to get into the church. Or, hey, maybe this will pay for some of those donuts I ate or whatever. That's not the mentality, right? But you go, you know what, hey, man, I want to I give this because this is a privilege. Remember this, is a, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will, will get a generous crop. And so it's that mentality, hey man, I want to I invest in something, I mean, I want to see a good return. And we always talk about, you know, return on investment around here, like, hey, is that a good return? Do we get a good return on investment in that, whether it's marketing or whatever it might be, but and maybe it's just even a ministry area. Hey, where, do we, where are we having the greatest impact? We want to invest in those areas where there's a good return. That's the same thing a farmer does. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So when we give, we give cheerfully. Like we get to, right? It's a privilege I get to. Like when we were back there praying this morning, and we pray this nearly every Sunday, it is a privilege to be a part of the church. It is a privilege to be a part of God's mission, God's kingdom. It is a privilege that he would invite me, he would invite you to be a part of what he says will change the, the, the world. And he goes, hey, listen, I want you to be my messenger. I want you to be my ambassador. I want you to go and tell people about me. And then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it is a privilege that we get to do that. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. And so, so you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give, give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God says, man, I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. I'll give you, I'll give you enough to meet your needs. And then, hey, you know what? You'll be able to help some other people as well. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. See, the widow should have been on the receiving end. The widow should have been receiving, not having to give all that she had. But thank God she trusted God, and God would write about her, and he would use her testimony to speak to us. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase uh, your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And so what God is saying, hey, listen, he wants us to be generous. I want to be generous because God is generous. We, every one of us ought to have that mentality. You heard me say a while ago, I like free, I like, you know, a good deal, I, you, know, you know, but here's the thing, we've got to be saying, you know what, God, I want to be generous. I like all those things, but I want to be generous to the people around me. I want to be generous to the people in need around me. And so God creates that in us, and when he does that in us, he does that in what? The church. So yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be what? Generous. See, it's a privilege, and it's a choice to be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, 
they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. So that's the thing. It's when we give, it's literally a ministry. We're meeting the needs of others with love. And so the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Obviously, there's some needs right now in Jerusalem and Israel. There's a lot of heartache going on over there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of tough things that are happening right now. And so what he was they were sending gifts there to them, but he was saying, Hey, listen, not only will we meet their needs, but they will express thanks to God. And so when we meet the needs of people around us, God literally is glorified through that. So it's a ministry of giving. It's meeting the needs of others with love. I love this statement here. It says, today we may have abundance, and tomorrow we may be in want and suffer need. Today we, have, we may have the privilege of giving, and tomorrow we may have the privilege of receiving. You know what that means? You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, right now you're blessed and you have plenty. And you ought to be willing to say, God, I want you to use me because I have this privilege of giving while I can because there may be a day when I'm on the receiving end. There's been so many times whenever I've been, you know, led by God to help someone or give something, they would say, you know, Pastor Mike, you don't know how much I appreciate this and, you know, I want to pay you back. I said, no, 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 you're not paying me back. I said, just, hey, there may be a day when I'm on the receiving end. There may be a day I need you to help me. You know, so, but for right now, God's given me the privilege of helping you. And so we've got to have that mentality. God, I want to I I give while I can because there may be a day when I have to be on the receiving end. God doesn't need our money to build his kingdom. That needs to be clear. I hope you guys understand it. God does not need your money to build his kingdom. He'll build, your, he'll build his kingdom with, without you or with you. He'll build his kingdom without your money, however he wants it. He does not need our money. And if you have, have this prosperity teaching going on out there that you believe, that you're buying into, that you go, hey, you know what? God needs my money to build the kingdom. No, he doesn't. He just needs you to be obedient, and whatever, whenever you're obedient to him, he'll take care of all the details. But God does not need our money to build his kingdom. That needs to be clear. And if, if you're buying into all the prosperity teaching that's out there, they're selling you a lie. And what the thing is, is we've got to be able to say, God, I trust you, and God, I trust you to lead me so that, that when I give, I give with the right reason, I give with the right motives, and I give cheerfully. And it's, and it's a privilege. It's a ministry. It is not a burden. But it's something we get excited about. God does not need our money to build his kingdom. Jesus speaks quite often about money because he knew it would become an idol or a God to many. Let me tell you, the funny thing is, I can talk about a lot of things. When I start talking about money, people start, you know, you know, you know kind of grabbing their wallet. And I wonder why we keep our wallet back here. We ought to have it up here because it does get real close to the heart, doesn't it? You start talking about people's money, they, get, they start acting weird, dude. And, and they're, they're going like, what's he asking? You know, hey, what's this about? What's this message about today? What's he saying? It's not what I'm saying. It's what God is saying to you. And you've got to be willing to say, God, what are you saying to me today? And so I would say that Jesus knew that, you know what, money would make us act funny. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so he, he knew that he, we've got to deal with this. So Jesus had this, this in Mark chapter 10, he had this encounter. As Jesus was starting out uh, on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat uh, anyone. Honor your father and mother. And teacher, uh, honor mother. And then he says, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So he's saying, man, I've got all this down. So looking at the man... Jesus felt genuine love for him. I love this. Jesus loved him enough to speak the truth to him about what he really needed. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. He says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. 
then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And most of us, most of us read that story, and a lot of us go, you know, do I have to give up everything? See, Jesus knew the man's heart. Jesus looked at the guy. He knew his heart. He knew, what, he knew what the idol was in his life. He knew what the little G God was in his life. And he knew that it would, it would get in the way of him really following Christ. Jesus said, hey, listen. Jesus says, come follow me. So the rich young ruler had his trust in his wealth, not in Jesus. That could be some of us as well. Maybe your trust is in your wealth. Maybe it's in what your possessions. Maybe it's in what you have. And it's not in Jesus. You got a little small part that you want to say, hey, listen, man, I trust Jesus. I trust him for, for this. But, man, we don't trust him with everything. We don't trust him to provide. We don't trust him to heal. We don't trust him for whatever it might be. And, and God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to trust me with everything. I want you to trust me with everything. So the rich young ruler had, had his trust in his wealth, not in Jesus. And so where is your trust at? You know, a lot of times we spend more time, you know, there used to be a commercial where these guys had this nest egg that they were taking care of. And they would be you know, polishing it or whatever, or pulling it around in a little wagon, you know, and, and, and so it was their nest egg, it was their retirement, and they were, they were wanting to take care of their nest egg, and so a lot of us, we spend so much time taking care of our nest egg or our finances and making sure that we got enough to hopefully get more that we've, we'd fail to follow Christ and we fail to, to really pursue our relationship with Christ. We spend more money on this than we do on the one that we say that we trust with everything. And so he, he struggled with his trust. Total surrender is trusting God with everything. Everything. Total surrender is saying, God, I surrender. I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you my finances. I give you my career. I give you everything. I trust you with everything. I surrender. And so whenever we come to that point of surrender, and here's the thing. Even like the, the, the widow, it was that self-denial. Jesus says, deny self, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny self, take up your cross, and follow me. And so the rich young ruler goes, hey, man, I'm good on some of this stuff, but, man, the wealth, I just don't know if I can do it. And he walked away sad because he had great possessions. So let me ask you, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust God with everything? So total surrender is trusting God with everything. So here's some next steps. Maybe this is, this is for you. To truly surrender everything to Jesus right now. Just say, you know what? And I, I believe the Holy Spirit's been speaking ever since we started this service, to be honest with you. I, I think he's been, he started before some of you ever even got here this morning. And he's, he's speaking to you and he said, hey, listen, do you trust me with everything? Do you trust me with finances? Do you trust me with relationships? Do you trust me with your children? Do you trust me with healing? Do you trust me with your past? Do you trust me with your future? And the question you've got to answer is, do I? And I would just say that now it'd be a great time to say, you know what, God, once and for all, I choose to trust you with everything. I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to sing louder in the midst of the storm. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to say, you know what, God is sufficient. And God, I'm going to give you the glory. I'm going to give you the praise. So I'm going to surrender everything. There's the other one, trust God with my life. Just like the young man who put his faith in Christ for salvation. Maybe you're here today, and, or maybe you're watching online. Last week we had a couple of people online that had put their faith in Christ for salvation watching online from somewhere. So maybe, maybe you're one of those where you're going, hey man, I, you know, I want to be right with God. I want to trust God. But maybe you're, you're trying religion. You know, maybe like the rich young ruler, you're trying to follow a bunch of rules and regulations. And you think, well, that'll get me there. But see, God wants your heart. 
He wants your heart. He wants you to surrender everything. And so maybe God is dealing with you and he said, hey, listen, it's time for you to surrender everything. It's time for you to give me your heart. Because whenever you give me your heart, I've got everything else. And so God is calling you. He said, hey, listen, I want to I bless you. I want to work in you. I want to work through you. And maybe for you today, it is salvation. And you're saying, Jesus, I, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my soul. I trust you with everything. And then that's the last one, to trust God with everything, completely, letting go. Maybe today there's some things you need to lay on the altar and say, God, I'll let go. I know some of you, it's tough to get down to that altar. You go, man, if I go down there, people are going to think things are wrong in my life. Probably are. You see, you're worried about what people think rather than what God says. You got to be able to say, God, I just, I trust you. I trust you with everything. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and you just, you say, God, I want you to speak clearly to me. I'm asking you to move in my heart right now. And I don't know what God is saying to you today, but I do believe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to a lot of us today. And maybe there's an area that we're really struggling to trust in. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's provision. Maybe it's relationships. You know, maybe, maybe it's something physical. Whatever it might be, it's, it's time to say, God, I surrender everything to you and I trust you. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. But today... Man, I'm telling you, there's no better time. And so maybe that's, that's your need. You just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross and that you died for me. You bled out your precious blood to wash away my sins, my transgressions, my lack of trust. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to save me. And I'm asking you to come into my life and teach me how to live for you. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And Jesus' answer is yes. I will do all those things. You just got to trust me enough to follow me. If that's you, you can just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. I just prayed to receive Christ. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Just raise it high and say, man, that's me, Mike. Maybe if you're online, you can text my decision, 94,000. We would love to know. We want to walk with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to help you with that next step. But there's a lot of us in this room that, kind of like the widow, it's not about giving, it's about trust. Do you trust God with everything and if not then what is it that he's telling you to let go of today to let down last week we talked about peter letting the net down he's asking you let something down but he may be telling you to leave something behind because peter and them they left the boats they left the nets they left something behind for the last time whatever it is that god is leading you to do I want to encourage you to be obedient and trusting. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, you are faithful. God, you are trustworthy. And God, we, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you that you care about us and the details of our life. And God, you care. You watch to see what we trust you with. God, I pray that we be found faithful today to surrender, to lay down, God, whatever it might be that's getting in the way of our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.